It is so great to see you guys. I'm Tim Jacobs, lead pastor here at Compass, and you know, we have extra chairs in the back, and there's still people coming, and this is so cool. Hey, did I not say about the weather? Did I not say? I said a little bit of cloud cover, and like, what? what is it, like 73 degrees? Boom. I was, I was right, so thank you, God. Just leave it like this. Okay, we don't need the sun right now. And the 1030 people, you know, hopefully they'll, everything will be fine for them too. But hey, listen, we decided today to let the creation be the production. To let God be the one who puts on our Easter pageant for us. And so you can see we're out here and underneath this, again, the perfect layer of clouds and the, the trees here and the grass. And just being outside in this wonderful time that we have to enjoy the world that God has made. And we are here both to celebrate and to consider the greatest event in all of human history. Which is the true, actual, real bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, who when he did that, not just as an idea, but as a fact, he did the one thing that we most desperately need more than anything else, and that is this, the death of death. We need death to die because that is our number one problem. And when he did that, it changed everything. And so while there are many of us who are here today to celebrate this fact, there are others of us here today who honestly need to consider it as a reality. Because there are many people today who would say, you know, listen, I have respect for Christianity. I have respect for the resurrection. I think it's cool. I mean, we have this stuff, you know, with this outdoor thing, and you got the kids, and we got these big inflatable things that they're going to play on an Easter egg hunt, and the families get together, and you make a ham, and it's just life is wonderful in that regard. It's a wonderful tradition, and yeah, we get it, but is it necessary that Jesus really rise from the dead? Because it's the 21st century. Aren't we kind of past that? Because we know these things don't really happen. There's folklore from the past. Do, do we really need to go there? Why can't we just be content with the resurrection as an idea? Why can't we be content with it as symbolism? Kind of like springtime now, you know, the, the flowers are in bloom and the, the bunnies are breeding and, you know, everything is coming back to life. And, and, and why can't we just think of it like that? You know, the teachings of Jesus were good. And he doesn't have to rise because his life can kind of rise in our hearts. And his teaching can rise in our hearts. And he can live on inside us. Is it really that important to hold on to this old dogmatic belief of the resurrection? Why can't we just hold on and, and just celebrate the idea and be more sophisticated? The problem is... That in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, it could not say more emphatically that if Christ has not been raised, and I mean really raised, not just as an idea, but actually raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, really raised, then your faith is futile, and, and you're still in your sins. In other words, forgiveness by God is not possible. And finally, in verse 19, it says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if it really didn't happen, then this is the part where we say, April fools. 
this is the part where we say the joke is on you because you got up early and you got your kids dressed and you went out and bought little outfits and you spent money and you went to all this stuff and through all of this ordeal for nothing. In fact, it's worse than that. It's actually pretty pathetic. That's what the scripture says if, in fact, Christ did not rise. Now, why would that be? Why, why is it so important that he has to rise? Well, let me ask you a question. Who's hungry? Is there anyone hungry here like you're honestly hungry? Like, I should have eaten something today. You, sir, in the blue. You, sir, in the blue who was talking. Yes, come on up. <laughs> I need you. Come on up. Come on up. Yes. Thank you. We're on, we're on a time crunch here, dude. So. <clears throat> All right. Come up here, sir. Now, what is your name? Sergio. 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 Now, you are legit hungry, right? Yeah. You are hungry. You're saying, I should have eaten something. I'm going to eat later, but I'm hungry now. Okay. Well, actually, stand over here, please. Um, now, Sergio, I want you to know that today is your lucky day. Well, he doesn't mean he meant it. Is, but, which can you stand here in case he does? Okay. Um, I want, this is your lucky day. Because, you know, at, at Cinnabon, they have this massive cinnamon roll that you can get. It's like, it's, it's literally over 800 calories. It has 127 grams of carbohydrates. I looked it up. You can feed a small country with this cinnamon roll. I mean, it's a heart attack on a plate, man. And so, so um, because of that, for you... Just for you, I made this. I made you a picture of a cinnamon roll. This is for you. Now, I want you to hold that, Sergio. Can you hold that? And I just want you to stare at that. Now, and, and I want you to look at the, the ooey-gooey kind of goodness there and, and just see the little flaky crust and everything like it. And I just want you to meditate on, it and meditate on that and just imagine it, right, and think about it. Now, isn't that, is that helping? Yeah. Are, right? Now, are you, are you less hungry now? Yeah. No, you're not. Don't lie. You're not. Oh, you're more. Yeah, you're more hungry, right? So, so you would say that the, the, the picture, now hang on a second, though, because you look a little bit, like, disappointed. You kind of got this face like, eh. Because, I mean, honestly, did you, when I said Cinnabon, did you actually think I was going to get you a real Cinnabon? What is wrong with you, man? Well, we did this whole Easter production. I mean, we had, we had the band, we had the outside, all this stuff, and, and we, you gave you sunglasses you're not even wearing, and it's like, you actually thought that we would give you a real Cinnabon? I mean, well, how much more do you expect? Don't you think that? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that you would, I mean, how much, do, what, do you, what do you think, you know, that you would actually want this? Well, you know, to be honest with you, it is a good day, lucky for you, fortunately for you, because we did actually get you a real, still warm Cinnabon. It's got two forks. It should probably have six because you should not even split this with two people. Share this with your entire family. Take a couple days, need it. And let's give him a huge round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Very smart guy. Now, here's the thing. This guy has a real hunger problem. He has a real hunger problem. And if you give him a picture of a cinnamon roll, and you give him the idea of a cinnamon roll, that is not going to help him. If you give him the hope of a cinnamon roll, if you give, describe the cinnamon roll, but you don't give him one, you have not helped him. Now the problem with us is, we 
Just as he had a real hunger problem, we have a real death problem. That is a real problem. It is a real fact. It is not an idea. It is an existential, three-dimensional, physical reality that is the biggest problem that you and I have. And the idea of resurrection is not going to help us. Just like the idea of a cinnamon roll is not going to help Sergio, who is hungry. You need the real thing. You need to have a real answer for a real problem, not an ideal answer for a real problem. But before we go too far, let's consider for a moment the alternatives. Because while some people believe that you go into the ground when you're done and it's game over, many people have different ideas about what we are to expect when that real problem finally hits us. Some people think, well, you know, it's kind of one of these wonderful things where we just kind of go into this psychedelic kind of acid trip, kaleidoscope dream world where you're floating on a cloud with a toga and playing Pink Floyd songs on your harp, you know, with Bob Ross standing there with a paintbrush. There are no mistakes, just happy accidents over and over and over again for all of eternity. Some of you guys are like, yeah, that's, that's what I think. You, how'd you know? Other people believe that you know, no, we, we, we die, we become ghosts. You know, I mean, there's, somebody's got to be a ghost, right? There's someone that's got to hang around in your grandma's closet and rattle the doorknobs, right? Someone's got to chuck stuff across the room and freak out the little kids. I mean, there's got to be some people that do that. Or other people believe in reincarnation. You know, that's why when I went to India, I remember the whole time I was riding in the car, I kept saying, holy cow, holy cow. And not because I thought we were going to get in a car crash. I did, but because they were holy cows we were going to hit. And they're holy, you can't hit them. Because they, they could be your uncle or your grandma. So you can't kill the cows. So maybe you come back like that, or maybe you come back as a cockroach, or a carrot, or a cinnamon roll. Who knows? You don't know. Still, other people believe in purgatory. It's kind of like a 2,000-year sentence of doing yard work in July, you know, with the HOA standing over you. Okay, you're done. Go. But that's what people believe. Here's the problem. All of those things lead us to this one conclusion. If, if any of those things are true, then we are stuck with the reality that this right here is the best we're going to get. That everything we have to look forward to is either going to be weird or painful or boring. And so eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. But I'll tell you what. What the scripture says presents something that could not be further from what we just described. Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, the Bible gives us an idea of what resurrection life is like. And it says it like this, that our body is basically like a seed. And the seed goes into the ground, right? Like, like any kind of seed goes into the ground. It has to die. And so when you and I die, and you go to a funeral, you go to a memorial service, all you see is that side, right? You see that seed going into the ground, and it's it, right? That's it. It's over. It's all we know. But the Bible says that's not all. Because those who are found in Jesus, those who have merged their life with his, they go into the ground, but they will arise. They will arise. Yes, because it says in 1 Corinthians 15, what is sown is perishable, right? We know that, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it's raised in power. And so the, on this end, you, you flatline, 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 
And then all of a sudden, new life, resurrection. Now you say, well, how in the world would we know this? How can you be so sure? And the answer is very simple, my friends, because that is exactly what happened with Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that he came to earth in a body that was perishable, and he died, but he was raised with a body that is imperishable, to a life that is imperishable. He was defeated as far as everyone knew, but he was raised in glory. He died in, in weakness. His body was subject to weakness, but he was raised in power. And so the verse is trying to say, when you awaken into the next life, you are not going to be alive as you are now. You will be more alive than you are now. You will not be human as you are now. You will be more human than you are now. You know, it's funny. You think about this. You know how you wake up in the morning? And you wake up in the morning, and as soon as your eyes open, you're infused with all this energy, and you get up out of bed, you know, and you just kind of, your abs just kind of crunch, you, you go, oh, I'm so happy, it's 5.30 a.m., yeah! No, that doesn't happen, right? That alarm clock goes off, and the first thought in your head is, oh, no, why? No, this can't be right, no! Already? Are you serious? I just went to sleep. And then you're like, you're just laying there like five more minutes. And then you kind of just turn over a little bit, and what happens? It's like Rice Krispies, snap, crackle, pop, right? And then you kind of like throw your legs over the side of the bed, and you get up, and you're like, do I really have to do this? Do I really have to get up? And you have to orient yourself to the world. And that's the way it is. But the Bible says that, that with this resurrected body, there's, just, there's, there's a quality of life that changes and when you're infused with life, and when you wake up and you awaken to that new life, your eyes do go wide open, and you're infused with excitement and newness, and nothing hurts anymore. And why? Because you don't have a body? No, you do have a body, but it's a body that's been removed from corruption. And you're flooded with energy and a sense of possibility and more than anything else, a sense of wonder. We just sang a, call, a song called Wonder. And when was the last time you actually felt wonder? When was the last time you were wide-eyed like, no way, are you kidding me? But then you also notice there are some things that are missing. You don't feel fear at all. For the first time in your whole life, you do not feel fear. You couldn't even feel it if you tried. You might feel excitement. You might feel anticipation. Those are very similar emotions, but you do not feel fear. You couldn't get it if you tried. You also don't feel sadness. You remember what it was like, but it's almost like when you're really hungry, and then you eat, and you're like, I don't remember what it's like to be hungry. I mean, I remember I was hungry, but I couldn't even make myself hungry, and I can't eat another bite because that, that, that longing is gone. And so you spent your whole life carrying sadness and managing it, maybe medicating it, but now it's just, it's just this foreign thing. Loneliness and alienation, the feeling that you don't belong in this world, all that's gone. Because for the first time in your life, you're home. You're home. Even though you've never lived there, you know this is the place that you were made for. And everything just fits. And it doesn't mean there's no ex exploration or adventure. It just means that you know this is the place that you were made for all your life. 
And you would see reflections of it here on earth, right? You would like sense, you go, you go, yeah, that's it. That's that right there. And maybe it was like in a sunset or a painting or maybe it was when you were hanging out with a bunch of friends. And in that brief moment when, when everybody was there and you were laughing and it just felt in that moment everything was right with the world. And it's like, that's where I want to be. And then it's gone. And it was like a flash. It was like a preview. It was like a little window opened up like, what was it about that? That's, that's where I feel like I want to be. That's where I feel like I belong. In C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia series, in the, the book, The Last Battle, at the very end, there's all these characters. There's animals and people and kind of unicorns and all kinds of crazy characters he has in his book. And they all pass from the shadowlands into heaven, basically, is what the idea is, into the, the next world. And the shadowlands are, are known as Earth, right? And when they first get there, the, the, the unicorn says this. Or this is what he writes. It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forehoof on the ground and then cried, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia, the old earth, is that sometimes, sometimes it looked a little like this. And sometimes it looks a little like this. But this is not the end. And so there's a new level of life. Because it's not just a new heaven. It's a new earth. And we miss that. We miss that the reason we're given a resurrection body and we follow Jesus in that resurrection body is, is because we need to have a body that's prepared to be able to handle the beauty and the majesty of the new creation that God offers where there's no more corruption. And here's the thing. When, when, I, when I'm saying this, don't you feel it? Like, don't, don't you see it? It's like, yeah, you know what? That's really what we want. We don't want to be like on a, in a whole different kind of existence. No, we want this place, just not with all the pain. Isn't that what you most deeply want is not to be something else, but to be you. Just a better version of you. Just you without all the crud. Just you without all the pain. Just you without all the regret. Just you without all the fear. That's what you really want. It's just most of us think it's too good to be true. But doesn't it seem like we were made? Doesn't it just seem like we were made for something more? It certainly does to a guy named Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil is 70 years old. He's an MIT grad, a computer scientist, and a futurist hired by Larry Page of Google personally to develop artificial intelligence and language processing. He's an absolutely brilliant mind and one of the most powerful minds in all of Silicon Valley. He started the Kurzweil Piano Company, if you ever heard of Kurzweil Pianos and Keyboards. And the reason he started it was because he met a guy named Stevie Wonder, and he struck up a friendship with him. And he said, you know, I want to be a good friend. I want to make him a piano. This is how brilliant this guy is. So he started a, a, a piano company that's one of the best and finest pianos in the world. But it's no secret that his biggest fear in life is death. In fact, he says that the idea of death is such a, quote, profoundly sad, lonely feeling that I really can't bear it. And so he has taken on a quest to conquer death through artificial intelligence, through Silicon Valley, and he has the resources of the world at his disposal. In fact, it's so strong, his desire, that according to a guy named Franklin Foer in his book, World Without Mind, Ray Kurzweil keeps a storage unit where he keeps all of his father's records, his financial ledgers, everything he's ever written, all of his papers in anticipation of the day that he can resurrect him. He honestly believes he could resurrect his own father. 
And he's got all the resources in the world to try. And why does he want to do that? Because Ray Kurzweil desperately wants to see the death of death. Can you blame him? The only problem is, why would you want to resurrect yourself to this place? Isn't there something more? And so, as much as he may try, the fact of the matter is, he can't do it. Because it can only be done by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Because he was the one who did it. And all we do is follow him. And that was God's message. The whole purpose of the resurrection is to say that on Friday, Jesus took care of your sin problem. And on Sunday, he takes care of your death problem. And all you have to do is believe that the God who made everything you can see around you right now created you to love you and to know you and to take you home. The Bible says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin but live and live for righteousness. And by his wounds you've been healed. Not your own wounds. Not like these crazy people you see every year who crucify themselves and reenact the crucifixion to atone for their own sin. Why would you do that when it's been done for you? Friday, Jesus solved your sin problem, but today he solves your death problem. And that's why it says this in one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, in all of human history. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. As sure as you know that you came from your father, who came from his father, who came from his father. As sure as you can see those resemblance in the eyes and the face and the mannerisms and the way you walk and the way you talk. As sure as you can trace your lineage back to that first person. You can trace your lineage back to the one who rescued you and raised you to new life. And as sure as you've been born from the man of dust, you can have confidence you will be raised as the man of heaven was raised. Now listen. You don't have to believe that. But here's the problem. Every other alternative is worse. Think about it. Every other alternative gives you a lesser quality of life. Gives you a lesser human existence. Gives you a lesser sense of dignity. Every other option fails to better address the needs of what you're truly dealing with. So what are you going to do? As far as I'm concerned, you have several options. The first is to believe. To just believe. To just say, you know what? I know. I lived my whole life trying to avoid death. And if there's a God who created me and knows that and wants to rescue me from that, then I'm with him. Then my life belongs to him. And if I can realize, and I know deep down in my heart I wasn't just made for 70 or 80 years, what a, what a crock. You know, religious people or people of faith are often called narrow-minded and small-minded. I can't think of a more small-minded thing than to think that your life is only good for 80 years and then you extinguish like you're just out. I don't know about you, but I got so much more in me than 80 years, man. And you do too. <laughs> so... You take hold of the life, and you make it your own, and you seize the love of God, and you say, yes, God, I believe that. 
there's no more beautiful story than you showing me the way by sending your own son to die a, a death in my place and to, to rise again on the cross or to rise again in the tomb. The second option is this. Actually, there's three options. I told you two, there's three. The second option is this, investigate it more. Maybe you're not ready yet. But don't be, don't be one of these people that just shows up here again in Christmas. Because we may not do an outdoor service in Christmas, be too cold. It won't be as good. Don't just, don't just punt this until the end of the year. Take what I'm saying and investigate. Disprove it. Try to come up with something better. Give yourself that gift of assurance one way or the other. If you're not ready yet. If you want to know more. There is one other option, the third option, that is this. You do nothing. You do nothing. So you either say, I, you, have, you can only do one of three things today. You say, I believe. Okay, I, I'm a little bit not sure yet, but I want to investigate more. That's okay. Or I'm going to do nothing. Because that's a choice. You can't be neutral. Do no, doing nothing says I'm content to be mortal. I'm content to go down with the ship. I'm content to believe that my life isn't worth really any more than any animal or tree or anything else. I just don't want to know. If that's you, just be honest. I just don't want to know. The great preacher Billy Graham, who recently passed away, in one of probably the most brilliant statements a person could make he said this he said someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead don't you believe a word of it I shall be more alive than I am now I will have just changed my address and gone into the presence of God he's dead now but he's not dead the great uh, writer Mark Twain it was rumored that he was ill and that the rumors got around that he had died, and they told him, they said, we heard you were dead. And his response was simply this, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. And someday, when there is a service for you, when you get to the end of the road, you want to be able to say, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. Would you go ahead and bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I get it. I want resurrection life. It makes sense to me that this life is a shadow. This life is a, yeah, there's moments of, of beauty and wonder, but it's just not enough. I was made for more. And I know that starts with Jesus. And I know that starts with me acknowledging my own failure, my own inability. I can't resurrect myself. I can't save myself. So God, I'm asking you that you would save me. And I'm placing my life in your hands. So today, I'm trusting in Jesus as my Savior. On Easter. If that's you, just tell him. Tell him right now. Today, Easter Sunday, 2018, I found life and life abundant. 
found the real thing. And I know I will live again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, as we take a moment and we let the reality of of the greatest story that's ever been told, the greatest event that's ever happened, our rescue, our redemption, God would well up into our hearts gratitude and a burden to let everybody know that your life matters, that their life matters. Forgiveness is possible. And resurrection is guaranteed for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Let's sing that chorus one more time. And when before the throne I stand in here complete. Jesus died, my soul to see. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all. Don't to him I Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed him takes us from death to life. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful reality. What a beautiful truth. May we own that and take a hold of it. In Jesus' name. Amen.